Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Donnie Cage, how's it going, sir? It is going great, Kentucky Guy. Looking forward to talking some wrestling news as always. Yeah, and uh, I tell you, it's going pretty good here, too. It's a little bit colder than what I like, but I can't complain. It's been 70 and 80, but... This last couple of days, I tell you, it feels like winter's trying to sneak back on us. <laughs> I hear that. All right, folks. So if this is your first time listening, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter which platform you're listening to us on, we're on 73 different audio platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage has a podcast that he created and co-hosts on. Go ahead and tell them about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, sir. We have a brand new episode dropping this Friday of the Uncaged Voice podcast on our official YouTube channel. You can catch myself, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester as we talk about all topics entertainment related. This uh, upcoming episode will be all about gaming. Fantastic. And if you like to stay up on current events, news around the world, and right here in the good old US of A, you can always, I do host, the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Uh, we drop two episodes a week, normally on Wednesday and Saturday. We are changing the format on that show just a little bit. Uh, for those of you that already listened to it, the two episodes that we drop a week are normally around 40, 40 minutes long. I've had several emails uh, from audience members that would like to see longer episodes. Well, the study and research I've done is if you get over on a news podcast like that, if you get over an hour-long podcast, a lot of times the audience, some of the audience, turns off and doesn't hear it. Well, I think that the show's important enough to where I want you guys to hear it all, even at the end. So what I've decided to do is I'm going to keep two two episodes a week at 40 minutes. It's about what we do each week. And throughout the week, I'm going to drop small episodes, like 20 to 25 minutes long, with current up-to-date headlines on what's going on. I think this will fill the gap that a lot of these audience members that, and I couldn't believe the number of emails I got on this that have, uh, that are kind of missing because I know it's hard to get everything in there in two days a week. So, but, uh, anyways, right here, we drop new episodes, uh, twice a week as well. We are changing the format on this show just a little bit. Uh, normally we do drop episodes every Monday and Friday. However, due to scheduling, and everybody knows that Raw's on Monday, 
So why not have the podcast on Tuesday so we can talk about Raw a day after why it's fresh in everybody's minds instead of almost a week later. And SmackDown is on Friday, so why not talk about SmackDown on Saturday, the day after? So going forward, and that's true with Rampage and Dynamite as well. So going forward, we're going to drop new episodes here. The only thing changing is the dates, and it's going to be every Tuesday and Saturday. I think that makes uh, the best sense for our personal lives as well as professionally as well. So also, uh, if you guys want to check out our merch or our website, the links are below down in the comments. Also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on the show or you have any uh, any requests or you want to shout out, by the way, by the way, I'm glad I just caught that. Rhonda Elliott. Rhonda Elliott. Thank you so much for the email. And guys, we may start doing more of this. Rhonda just emailed me, emailed us and said, hey, can I get a shout out on the show? And, you know, we we appreciate all of our audience members. So if you ever want a shout out from Donnie and myself, be sure. So Rhonda Elliott. Thanks for the support, Rhonda. Absolutely. We wouldn't want to do this without you. So, yeah, guys, if you ever want a shout out, just let us know. Just email us. And thank you, Rhonda, for that idea. I think that's great. Okay, so let's get into today's show. Uh, We always start every show with the first segment. My fantasy booking basically this is where mr cage and myself pick a wrestler could be a current superstar former superstar retired what have you and the promotion that they were in if they would have booked them a little bit different or in some cases if they would at least reached out to them and got over their own pride how they could have excelled if we were the booker or owner of that promotion and uh as always mr cage i'll let you start us off thank you kentucky guy Well, we're going to go back to the early 90s in WWE, technically late 80s, early 90s, and talk about one of my favorite tag teams from my childhood, one of the teams that helped get me into wrestling. I am talking about none other than Axe and Smash Demolition. Three times these guys were the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championships back in the day. They were considered one of the most successful tag teams of the late 80s, early 90s. They debuted in 1987. Originally, they were managed, and I didn't do, know this until a couple of years ago when I started doing my research. They were originally managed by Luscious Johnny V, but eventually they took on Mr. Fuji as a manager, and they started working their way up the tag team ranks. They won their first World Wrestling Federation champion, Tag Team Championship at WrestleMania Four when they beat Strike Force, Rick Martel and Tito Santana, and they started what became a historic tag team title reign. They held it for well over a year before losing the titles to the Brain Busters, and their initial reign as the tag team champions was not um, beaten out by another team until 2015 when the New Day of all teams held the world tag team titles longer than Demolition's initial reign. But the reason I want to talk about these guys is because when they first debuted People considered them a ripoff of the Road Warriors. Why? Well, because they dressed in black leather outfits and wore and had face paint and masks. Everybody said, oh, these guys are a ripoff of the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. Well, regardless of whether they were considered WWF's answer to the Road Warriors or not, both guys had a lot of experience in the wrestling industry at that point. In fact, Axe, who, whose real name is Bill Eady, had been a very prominent superstar in, in various territories. He had wrestled as the masked superstar for a number of years, 
and Barry Darso, who was Smash, had worked for the NWA as Crusher as a Crusher Khrushchev. So these guys worked their way through the ranks. They had all sorts of big time tag team feuds. I already mentioned they wrestled Strike Force, they wrestled the Brainbusters, they feuded with the Heart Foundation, they feuded with the Powers of Pain. Eventually, in 1990, their third reign as the WWF Tag Team Champions came to an end at the hands of the Hart Foundation. By this point, they had become a trio. They added Brian Adams to the, to the team as Crush. And again, this is right around the time I started watching. So my first exposure to Demolition was the, this team as a trio. But believe it or not, it was the addition of Crush that actually started the downcline, of, the decline of this team. Because from this point forward, they were pretty much exclusively booked in six-man tag team matches. In fact, Axe's last match with the WWF was at the 1990 Survivor Series. He left the promotion shortly after that. Demolition continued on for a few more months with Axe and Crush, or excuse me, with Smash and Crush, and Mr. Fuji still as their manager. And they had this nothing match at WrestleMania 7, where they faced these two Japanese wrestlers, they ended up losing the match. Instead of putting them against the team that they were often compared to, the Legion of Doom, I mean, they were just booked on the undercard. It was a total waste of their talent, and it was a mistake allowing Axe to leave the WWF, because Demolition was never the same after that. And in fact, they were disbanded just a couple months later. And... Smash was repackaged as the Repo Man. Crush took on a uh, surfer gimmick. And that was the end of Demolition. So a team that had a tremendous amount of momentum were very popular at one point and had some feuds with some of the most high-profile tag teams of that era. Just their, 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 their time ended with a whimper. It was very disappointing, and I really wish the WWF would have utilized Demolition better, especially near the end. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Um, so, this may surprise you, but uh, I have to agree with you 100% this week on this episode. Demolition was one of my favorite tag teams growing up, and they also held the tag team titles. They held that record until the New Day, <sighs> believe it or not, broke their record on the longest uh, reign until recently the Usos are actually hold that record now with the new blood uh, they've had an extraordinary they've broke so many records uh, since holding the titles but anyways Demolition, Axe and Smash you're, you're spot on on your analysis these guys were were it and I think what happened was the Road Warrior if you remember during that time when they were trios and everything started going downhill the Road Warriors came back to the WWE at that time, WWF, and it seems like they just creative Vince McMahon kind of just stopped pushing them once the Road Warriors came. And you have to remember something. The Road Warriors were older. Like, these weren't Road Warriors in their prime. They'd been around the block. Everybody knew them. Yeah, they were popular. I think they actually changed their name at that time to Legion of Doom. Yeah, they were popular, but you still had demolition with a lot of life left. And you're right. The singles, when they repackaged them, it was, uh, it was a waste of time. So, yeah, good pick this episode, man. I, I'm, you're spot on. Spot on. But, yeah, if you do some digging, I think you guys will find out that uh, the push stopped 
because the Road Warriors came back to the WWE from WCW. Okay, so my fantasy booking this episode is none other than Charles Rudy Ashtonoff. Yeah, you guys remember him? Classic wrestler. Oh, you don't know who that is? You don't know who Charlie is? Charlie Rudy? Oh, you probably know him by his ring name. Conan, and not Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> uh, Conan, a professional wrestler, person, professional wrestling personality, manager, former professional wrestler, uh, currently signed with Impact and AAA Wrestling. He was a manager of LAX. He's not wrestling anymore. He's basically behind the scenes. He also serves as a member of the creative team. What I want to talk about is I'm going to go over a little bit of his history when he first got started, but he had a small stint in the WWF back in the day, was underutilized, and it I really can't say it was all WWE's fault because some of the blame actually falls on Conan as well, and I'll discuss. So billed as El Centurion, he debuted for the Universal Wrestling Association, his first match, on January 6, 1988. In the early part of his career, he wrestled for many different promotions after making his debut. Uh, Conan wrestled for the UWA heavyweight title against El Kant on the 14th of 1989 of January and wrestled six and eight-man tag matches for the promotion where he won the title. He also was trained and mentored by his one of his best friends, Ray Mysterio Sr. Yeah, Ray Mysterio Sr. Conan's first ride with WCW lasted only a few weeks. He debuted at Starcade in the 1990 in December, teaming with his trainer and mentor, Ray Mysterio Sr. Conan entered the Pat O'Connell Memorial International Cup Tag Team Tournament held at the event. They defeated Norman Smiley and Chris Adams in the quarterfinals but lost to the eventual winners, Rick and Scott Steiner. That was a great tag team back in the day. And then he went on to win the television title uh, during Power Hour against Chuck Coates on, in January of 1991. He would not return. That was his last match. He would not return to WCW until 1996, which was five years later. So I want you all to pay very close attention to this part right here. Because this is why he's actually on my list. So while still part of WCW, Conan was contacted by talent scout Pat Patterson on New Year's Eve in 1990, which led to a meeting with Vince McMahon. The initial idea for what became Max Moon was discussed. According to Conan, quote, When I was wrestling in Japan, I saw this Japanese anime cartoon robot on TV that shot confetti and fire. Vince asked if I knew anybody that could design it. I was given an outfit purchased by the WWF at the cost of $13,000. Bed decked with uh, a prosthetic gun that shot sparks into the crowd. Conan recollected later that the cost associated with the costume led to problems between himself and the promotion right from the start. Days later, he received a tryout on January 7th, 1991 at the WWF Superstar Taping in Amarillo, Texas defeating Ultraman. Uh, he returned again March 26th. Now listen to how many tryouts this guy, they made him go through. In Las Vegas, Nevada, defeating Louis Spinoli and WWF Superstar Dark Match. 
He would defeat Samoa again one night later at a wrestling challenge taping in Reno. Conan returned again for another tryout on January 7th, 1992 at a WWF superstar taping in Daytona Beach, Florida. Wrestling this time as the Latin Furry, he defeated the Heartbreaker. The next day, he defeated the Juicer in a dark match at the Wrestling Challenge taping in Fort Myers, Florida. Conan would wrestle twice more as the Latin Fury, the final time at a house show in Massachusetts in July of 1992, where he defeated Peter Daltrey. The next day, when he appeared at a WWF superstar taping in Woochester, Massachusetts, against the uh, Mercenary, he was renamed El Ripongo. What a weird name. He wrestled again at, under that name the following night against Louis Mendotti. A little over a month later, he received the gimmick that he would be known for, which was Max Moon. Although he was originally called the Comic Kid for a handful of appearances, the Moon character created by Conan was a cyborg from the future or outer space. Conan made his WWF debut on September 1st, finally, in 1992 in Hershey, Pennsylvania, during a superstar taping under the name The Comic Kid, when he pinned Barry Horowitz after three televised matches, Conan abruptly left the WWE following a disagreement with the WWF owner, Vince McMahon, in 1992. Here's the reason why. Conan was not showing up for WWF events due to his rising fame in Mexico and his supposed bad attitude and heat from fellow WWF workers led to a very strained relationship with Vince McMahon, who had invested heavily in the Max Moon character, both financially and creatively, up until, up until that point. Okay, so right there, he was at fault, not showing up to work. He did talk about this. Basically, what happened was he, was, he had a record out in Mexico, and it was blowing up, and he was, he was blowing up as a wrestler. He was a part of the AAA. He's still a part of the AAA promotion. And Vince McMahon, he did not like the creative decisions that were happening, is what, uh, is what he said in an interview. Now, you have to, he did return to the w, uh, WCW in 96, right? So he took off four years wrestling independent, mainly over in Mexico. When he came back, he was announced that he would defend his Mexican heavyweight championship against Psychosis the following night at Class Champions. He retained the title. Uh, he was uh, he became largely responsible for hiring several prominent Mexican wrestlers by the WCW, WCW during that time before he went to the New World Order and they had the uh, cruiserweight division in WCW. He brought in Rey Mysterio Jr., Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera, and uh, La Parca. While with WCW, he won the World uh, Television Championship title, the United States title, and three-time tag champion. JR was interviewed about Conan, and this, by the way, he was a heavyweight champion in AAA promotion and WWC promotions as well. Uh, JR did an interview on his Grilling JR podcast, and he was asked by Conrad Thompson why Conan never came back to the WWE, considering his first run as Mexican Moon was less than successful. JR said he believes when creative gets it wrong, the talents end up getting blamed for it, and Conan just happened to be on the receiving end of it. Russell also said that the WWE 
missed out on a good guy and a great wrestler. So there you go. That's that's why he's on my list because, okay, he made a mistake. We're all human. We've all made a mistake at our jobs, which either got us in trouble or even fired. But to hold that against him and not bring him back and not putting him, he's never going to get into the WWE Hall of Fame which is sad, and it just doesn't make any sense. He's, he's in a later headline. He's actually going to be at the Hall of Fame this year. I'll talk more about that when we get to that headline. But it's just, it's wrong because this guy has done so much for not just luchador wrestling, for wrestling itself, and so many of these athletes. Ray Mysterio Jr., we may have never heard of him if it wasn't for Conan, Conan bringing him in to the WCW. I'm sure he would have because he's so talented, but who knows? Back then, you know, they had the territories. You didn't get the same chance as an opportunity as you do today. So that's my pick for this episode. Your thoughts, sir? I think it's a great pick, Kentucky guy. Um, I, I'll, I'll never uh, forget the year I actually dressed up as Conan for uh, Halloween in, his, uh, in the uh, NWO Wolfpack uh, gear. <laughs> it was just something I threw together. I had the, I had the black hat, the sunglasses, the, uh, the flannel shirt, the NWO uh, T-shirt and everything. I think I put, threw on a pair of black jeans. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was great back in the day. I, I, I loved his promos that he would cut. Viva la raza. Oh, la la. Um, and, yeah, WWE definitely missed the ball with this guy. I mean, he only worked for them for a brief period of time. His career was taken off in Mexico. Of course, it makes sense that he's going to go there um, and continue his career. And then obviously he got a second chance in the, in the United States working for WCW for so many years. And then he went on to work for Impact, still works with them behind the scenes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this goes back to what they always say, which is if you don't like what Vince McMahon has for you creatively, he takes it personal and decides, well, I'm just not going to work with this person at all anymore. So, yeah, missed opportunity for them. Yep, yep. So before we get into the wrestling news, I want to, uh, the show, uh, Donnie and my, uh, myself, we want to give our condolences to Arne Anderson, uh, his son Barrett, at the young age of 37 years old, passed away. And really, really hate to hear that. No parent should ever have to, despite if you, you know, if you like their character or not on television, it doesn't matter. No parent should ever have to bury their child. So. Uh, our deepest consolences to the Anderson family. I couldn't even imagine what they're going through. So, but as I've said many times, sometimes bad things happen to good people. So that's a part of life. All right. So let's get into, I've got the first headline here for wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler. Bray Wyatt appears to be on or off WWE WrestleMania. Following reports on Monday, there is a lot of concern that Bray Wyatt may miss out on wrestling at the WWE WrestleMania Goes to Hollywood. After Wyatt missed a house show at Madison Square Garden on Sunday where he was slated to wrestle LA Knight, it was reported by Frightful that Wyatt is sidelined with a physical issue. Wyatt has been wearing a knee, bra a knee brace in recent months. However, we've, we have gotten, we have not gotten, we have not gotten confirmation that this is the reason why he did not show up for the recent house show. WWE has been planning to do a match between Wyatt and Bobby Lashley at Mania. After reports regarding Wyatt's 
status being up in the air and an interesting tweet by Lashley where he noted that he will fight anyone at WrestleMania. There have been speculation that the match may be off the show. While speaking on Wrestler, Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted, and this was last night, that as of right now, the match is still on and Wyatt is expected to be back very soon. Quote, from what I understand, the match is still on for WrestleMania and he should be back very soon, so we'll see. That's pretty much all I can say. There is something to it, but I'm not at liberty to discuss it. As far as I know, everything I've been told is that it's not a creative issue or anything like that, Moster stated. By the way, that was the original rumor I heard that he was having creative differences with the Triple H and the creative team, and that's where he's where he's not been. I started to actually report that until I dug a little bit deeper and found this. So, On Twitter, Bobby Lashley indicated that he may need a new opponent, and there's a lot of speculation that he could end up wrestling L.A. Knight. Here's Bobby Lashley's tweet, quote, I've worked too hard to be denied. I will fight anyone on the biggest stage of them all. Hashtag WrestleMania. I don't care who it is. Somebody will feel the wrath of the Almighty. So, kind of interesting. That answers a question for me. Like, where's Ray, where's Bray been? Uh, why did they keep this hidden from us for a couple weeks? I mean, why not just come out and say, you know, he's injured or what have you, and just leave us all speculating? Oh, he's missing. Uh, they don't know where to go with the storyline. What's going on? They're dragging this out too long. And, uh, I mean, I was pretty ticked off at him the last, uh, the last SmackDown because I didn't see anything to do with Bray. And then I find out that the guy's injured. Of course, I'm not going to be upset if he's injured. It's part of the game. So I hope he's there for WrestleMania, but his health comes first. If he's got a heel and take this mania off to wrestle the next five or six, as a true fan, I'm okay with that. Your thoughts, sir. I would agree with you on that, Kentucky guy. Um, you know, unless that this is all just some elaborate storyline where they're working all of us and making us think Bray's not going to be there, which, once again, I'm not going to give them that much credit for being that um, resourceful. Look, um, if the guy is injured, then, you know, that's fine. Let him take the time off that he needs to heal. Uh, you've still got a couple more weeks. So if you had to give Bobby Lashley a different opponent, in this case, L.A. Knight, I personally would have been okay with that because why not utilize LA Knight on the on the grandest stage of them all? I actually think that would be an interesting matchup. Um, and I think LA Knight could cut some good promos on Bobby Lashley, so why not do that matchup? Um, but I agree with you. I hate when a wrestler is injured or has some sort of personal issue and they take them off of TV with no explanation at all. And then just randomly they'll show up a week or two before pay-per-view like nothing happened. It's like you've got to give us something. You've got to give us, let us understand what's going on with this person. Are they injured? Is, is it something else? I, I mean, this whole he hasn't been on TV for three weeks and you're supposed to be building this storyline is very frustrating. Yeah, and that would explain why uh, Uncle Howdy attacked Bobby Lashley without Bray Wyatt that first night on raw so but i can tell that they're still planning on having this match because raw last night bobby lashley was not on there and i did see a spoiler that he's supposed to be on smackdown this week he wouldn't he wouldn't be on smackdown if he, unless he was there to call out bray wyatt because supposedly smackdown is bray wyatt's show but but after seeing this report smackdown is also la night show 
So I guess we'll have to wait and see SmackDown what happens. Speaking of Raw, let's go ahead and go over some Raw results from last night. And the reason, folks, if you haven't listened to the last episode, the last episode we did was on Saturday, and we actually went over SmackDown results on the last episode. So first of all, if you haven't listened, shame on you. Second of all, go listen. Third of all, here's Raw results. (laughs) So Edge was in the ring, and he told Finn Balor he would accept a match with him at WrestleMania, that he's made his life a living heck for the last year, and he wants this to end so that the match... Uh, so he can continue with his last run for his last year. So it sounds like Edge may, I don't know, he may be looking at some kind of title coming up that he may take a run at, or that's what it sounded like to me. But anyways, he said he wanted that match to be in a hell of a cell, and Baylor accepted, Finn Balor accepted, and something that he said really stuck out. Uh, (laughs) He said he's been to hell before, and it spit him out because it could not handle his demons. Could we see the demon? Could we see the demon at Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania? If we do, they've got to put Finn Balor over. They've got to. They let the demon lose last time, which he's supposed to be this unbeatable force against Roman Reigns. He cannot lose this match if he's going to be the demon. I look forward to it. It's been way too long. And I think uh, I think it's a good fit for this match, especially if Edge kind of goes back into his occult ed- attire when he was a part of the uh, Ministry Corporation and so forth. So I'm kind of looking forward to this match now. I wasn't because I thought this feud was getting old, but if he does the demon, I think it'll spark new life into this match. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, the demon's been on the shelf for a while, so I think it's about time to uh, dust him off. And I admit it does add a lot of intrigue to the matchup. Because, because yeah, they have gotten to the point now where these two have wrestled a lot. It's time to wrap it up and move on to new feuds for both guys. Especially with Edge's career officially winding down now. And, yeah, you got to put the Demon over. There's no question about it. Um, a loss to the Demon would not hurt Edge in the grand scheme of things. And it would increase Finn Bauer's stock. Yeah, and Judgment Day is so over right now. Uh, going over a couple matches here, they actually had a match last night, Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio against Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. The Judgment Day w- did win the match, although I do have to admit, Dexter Loomis actually looked pretty good in that match. He surprised me a little bit. He looked pretty good. Uh, we also seen last night Cody Rhodes took on L.A. Knight uh, Cody Rhodes won the match, of course, because he's heading into WrestleMania main event. But the main thing about that match was what a promo by Cody Rhodes after the match. Wow. Man, he showed a lot of passion. He, Paul Heyman did come out there and kind of scorched him a little bit for calling it personal, but it's got to be personal. You got to be. You want the one title that your dad only had once? Of course it's personal. And I really enjoyed that promo, and I'm not a huge Cody Rhodes fan. But I really enjoyed that promo. He showed a lot of drive. He actually showed the the Rhodes heart, which I haven't seen in a long time since his dad was wrestling. So I really enjoyed that promo. Your thoughts on those two, sir? Yeah, I saw that fire in Cody. And I mean, I've been a fan of his for a long time. So it didn't surprise me to hear those kinds of words come out of his mouth. But it really just sold you on how important and monumental this match is coming up between him and Roman Reigns at Mania. 
I'm glad to see L.A. Knight get back on television and be working, you know, against a big-time star like Cody um, because they, he hasn't been utilized that much lately on WWE television. Um, so I was happy about that match. Um, and, yeah, the tag team match was good. Uh, you know, part of me uh, deep down kind of wishes that uh, Derek, uh, excuse me, Derek, yeah, uh, Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano had picked up the win. But, I mean, Judgment Day's riding this huge wave of momentum right now. You can't have them lose. It wouldn't make any sense. No, nah, not going into WrestleMania. Two big matches uh, for Judgment Day, WrestleMania with Ripley and uh, Balor. So let's see. And then, um, oh, one thing about L.A. Knight, by the way, spoiler alert, he is, after WrestleMania, they're looking to give him a major push, and I'm okay with that. He's great on the mic, he's a good wrestler, he's got the look, and he's supposed to be getting a major push after Mania, so we'll see. I think it'll be good. Uh, Then we had a promo between Brock Lesnar, who finally went face-to-face with Omos. Now, this kind of stunned me a little bit. Almost pushed Lesnar out of the ring. By the way, almost botched it. Almost broke Lesnar's neck. I don't know how many of you all caught that, pushing him out of the ring over the ropes. This guy's so freaking clumsy. He's going to end up retiring somebody before they're due to retire. Anyways, when Brock Lesnar got out of the ring, I seen something that I hadn't really seen before, and that was kind of fear and uncertainty on Brock Lesnar's face. Now, I don't know what's going to happen at WrestleMania, but you have to remember something. Braun Strowman beat Omos. <laughs> I mean, Omos has been beat by everybody. Bobby Lashley beat him. He beat Bobby Lashley once as well. Are they really going to put, Brock Lesnar's going to put Omos over at WrestleMania? I don't know, man. Brock had an awful weird look on his face. So, yeah, I don't know. We also had Bronson Reed versus Elias with Rick Boggs. I mean, that's, I mean, do I have to say any more? Of course, Bronson Reed won the match. It's Elias. You know, oh, wait a minute. The other Elias, what's his name? Yeah, Baron Corbin had a match against Seth Rollins. Same outcome. Seth Rollins, winner, of course. Uh, your thoughts on those three matches, sir? Or promo in two matches? It, it was great to see that they were reviving one of the best feuds of uh, 2019, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, yeah, of course, Seth Rollins won this match. I mean, what would you expect? What else would you expect from the architect? Um, you know, Elias and Rick Boogs are still employed. I'm kind of shocked by that. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I'm not really that big on Bronson Reed perfectly. So this was a, no- a nothing match for me. Um, yeah. Uh, and the almost Brock Lesnar segment, you know, all he had to do was grab him by the throat and push him over the top rope in one fluid motion. I know Brock's a big guy, but next to Omos, even Brock looks small. And they couldn't even do that correctly. Like you said, he just, he could have broken the man's neck throwing him over that top rope. Look, uh, uh, my whole opinion has now changed for this match at WrestleMania. I I, I just want to see Brock take uh, Omos to Suplex City and, and call it and call it an end at this point. <laughs> I want to see him get F5. He's such a big guy. That would be awesome. So, and by the way, Bronson Reed, when you get his chance, Mr. Cage, Bronson Reed, first of all, is a heck of a wrestler. And they're underutilizing him. He needs to be a heel. 
He's not he's not a baby face like they're trying to act like he is. If you if you get a chance, uh they've got it anywhere. You can go on YouTube probably and find it too. Old videos and watch Bronson Reed in New Japan Pro Wrestling where he actually beat Okada for the title straight up. You will see a different animal. He's a heel there and he's so much better than what he's getting right now in the WWE. Right now he's just he's he's fighting flake matches. I mean of course, he's going to win Dolph Ziggler and Elias and, and this crap. But turn him heel like he was in NXT. Now, he was great in NXT as a heel. I don't know why they've done this big switch on this guy because it's not doing him any favors, like you said. Because a lot of people feel the way you do. They feel like they really don't care. Speaking of not caring, uh, Bianca Belair uh, went up against Chelsea Green. Of course, Bianca Belair won. Oscar uh, came out. She didn't spray Bianca, but she kind of acted like she was going to. I, I really, you know, this is getting old fast. They need to hit each other with chairs or something and stop spitting in each other's face or just act like they're going to try to scare each other. The mind game, I understand mind games in wrestling, and it's a huge part of it, but if you're going to do mind games, do good mind games. Don't keep, keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, we're not, we're fans, but we're not stupid. Just retarded. Anyways, Austin Theory went up against Angelo Dawkins. Uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. I would rather see him against Montez Ford, but I thought it was pretty good, and I hope this is a start, maybe, of these two starting their single careers. Austin Theory did look pretty good in the match, though. He really did. You can tell he's sharpened his skills quite a bit here lately. I'm still not a fan, but I can see him getting over on John Cena at WrestleMania from what I seen last night. So it could be could be interesting. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We had a street fight. Kevin Owens versus uh Solo Sokoa with the help of the new blood. Uh Solo Sokoa actually won that. They did do kind of a beatdown on Kevin Owens after the match. No Cody Rhodes, no Sami Zayn to help Kevin Owens. And by the way, I don't blame them because Kevin Owens said before the match he didn't want any help, and that's what happens when you don't get any help, especially in a street fight where anything's legal. I mean, how dumb can you be? How much pride is going to make you that stupid? Anyways, your thoughts on those three, sir? I'm a little confused as to why they brought Chelsea Green back because she's been brought back basically to lose every match, and she's somebody that we know has a lot of talent from her work in Impact and on the independent circuit. I mean, I get, again, I'm a fan of Bianca, and I get that she's got to win matches to look strong, but does it have to be at the expense of Chelsea Green? I mean, there are other women on the roster that Bianca can just beat leading up to WrestleMania. Um, and yeah, her and Asuka not getting any sort of physical altercation makes no sense. We need to see Asuka's vicious side so that we know she's a threat to Bianca Belair. Otherwise, she, she's just like every other opponent, and a part of me will say, well, it looks like Bianca's not dropping the Raw, the raw Women's title at uh, WrestleMania. But, um, yeah, I was disappointed by that segment. Really disappointed. Um, yeah, I mean, Angelo Dawkins looked pretty good in his match with Austin Theory. I'm actually starting to become more and more of an Austin Theory fan as time goes on. I think at this point he does have a good shot at beating John Cena. I mean, again, John Cena not winning, or John Cena winning at WrestleMania doesn't do anything for Austin Theory or for John Cena at this point in his career. 
He's only there part time. He's got to put over the young talent on on at WrestleMania, and um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I just I'm I'm a fan of theory, and as far as you know Dawkins goes, I would like to see um, more of Montez Ford in singles competition. I think that's what everybody wants. And then for the Solo Sokoa Kevin Owens match, it made sense again for Solo to go over in this match. And quite honestly, it made sense to not have people come out and help Owens because at this point he said, I don't want any help. Now we know something's going to happen to bring him and Sammy together between now and WrestleMania. But yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, I think I remember reading that Sammy Zayn was not booked for Raw anyway. So that's part of the reason why he wasn't on the show. But yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they're, really, they're really stretching this out making us wonder how Zane and Owens are going to get back on the same page. They're running out of time. They're running out of time fast. And then something else that's running out of time. The last part of the storyline or the raw of this week, Ray Mysterio and the Dominique Mysterio segment. Dominique tells his dad, Ray, he's going to let him enjoy his hall of fame week in LA, but he's challenging him to a match at WrestleMania. Ray, to my surprise, I really thought this was going to, because they just announced the Baylor, uh, the Balor and Edge match, Hell in a Cell, we've been talking about. <laughs> Ray, to my, to my surprise, says he's not going to fight his own son. He still loves Dominic and always will. So there will be no match at WrestleMania. And he walked out of the ring. Dominic said that's what Ray has always done, is that walk away from him, which I thought Ray would have turned around and went in and knocked him upside the head and accepted the match. But still, no confirmation on a match there for WrestleMania. At least it finally come out of one of these guys' mouth. But you got two weeks, folks. Let's uh, let's set these matches up so we can start hyping them up more instead of just speculation that they might happen. Your thoughts, sir? If I, if I could make a prediction, Kentucky guy, they haven't said anything about Mysterio, the rest of Mysterio's family appearing on TV, you know, his wife and, and his daughter and everything. But I, I'm at this point going to make a bold prediction and say that something is going to happen in, in the time between now and WrestleMania where the, uh, Dominic's mom or his sister, they're going to try to insert themselves and try to make peace between Ray and Dominic. And one of them's going to get like knocked down or struck or something. It, in the midst of it, and that's what's going to finally set Rey Mysterio off and is going to make him attack Dominic and accept the match. I think that's the only thing at this point, because I don't think there's anything Dominic could say or do to Rey Mysterio at this point that would make him accept the challenge. He's, he's said and done everything. You know what? That is a good... I'm kind of proud of you. <laughs> that's a pretty good storyline. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that because that almost happened when they invaded uh, Mysterio's home during Thanksgiving. That was the one time I seen Ray actually pull his fist back and thought he was going to hit Domin- uh, Dominic. So, yeah. Yeah, you're you're spot on. I, that could work. It really could. All right, sir, you've got the next two headlines. Let me get the buzzard here. WWE has pitched a match for Steve Austin against a SmackDown star. 
WWE has not given up on trying to get Stone Cold Steve Austin to wrestle at WrestleMania in Los Angeles. LA Knight's name has been pitched as his opponent. That rumor was making the rounds on social media this past weekend, and WrestlingNews.com hinted at it on Twitter. However, it was never confirmed to us by WWE. There is no confirmation that the Austin versus Knight match is happening, but it's interesting that Austin is in fantastic shape and he's left the door open to wrestling again. If Austin does not agree to return, then there might be a spot open for Knight if Bray Wyatt is not able to wrestle on, at WrestleMania. Austin was previously pitched Brock Lesnar as an opponent, but the money offered was a non-starter, and he never got back to WWE when he was pitched about a Roman Reigns match. Well, I think I said before, and so did you, Kentucky guy, Austin versus Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns at this point in time would not have worked. Um, you know, 10 years ago might have still been a possibility if Austin could have gone at that time, but th th there's no possible way his body could handle a match with either one of those guys. And to force those guys to change their style to wrestle Steve Austin at 59 years of age would not have been right. Um, LA Knight versus Austin, I mean, Sure. Well, I mean, I mean, why not? You know, put LA Knight in the ring with uh, with a major name. But I mean, personally, I've said it before. You don't need Steve Austin in a wrestling match at the pay per view. Let your stars of today shine the spotlight on them. You don't need to constantly keep bringing back legends and put them in matches. Right. What's the payoff? Why? Why? You're two weeks away from WrestleMania. Why are we still talking about getting Stone Cold Steve Austin there when you're not even shored up? You've not even shored up your other matches yet, like we just talked about. You don't even know who Bobby Lashley's facing. Why? I don't. I don't get it. That's like still crossing their fingers and hoping somehow The Rock's gonna be in WrestleMania 39. What? What is the deal with this? Uh, the creative team is strong enough. And they have enough athletes to where this shouldn't even be a consideration. I don't care if it's L.A. Knight or who it is. They don't need it. What, is Austin going to put L.A. Knight over? He didn't last year. He didn't put Kevin Owens over. And we all know, as of right now, L.A. Knight's not as big a star as Kevin Owens. So it just doesn't make any sense. All right, sir, you have the next one. Another name revealed for the 2023 WWE Hall of Fame. The class for this year's WWE Hall of Fame continues to come along. Rey Mysterio was announced as the first inductee into this year's Hall of Fame, and as noted, a big name is slated to induct the former WWE champion. Also, the great Muta, Keiji Muto, is expected to be among the names inducted this year. PW Insider reported that WWE is very close to finalizing a deal with Stacey Keebler to induct her into the class. If done, she will be the first female member of the class to be revealed this year. The two sides have been talking for a few weeks now, with one source stating the deal was 99% done, while another source noted the deal was not done as of this past Friday, but thinks the induction is likely to happen. So, I remember seeing Stacey Keebler break onto the scene in the later days of WCW, and then she was a part of the Invasion storyline, and we saw her... Manage a lot of people in WWE, including Test and Scott Steiner, 
the Dudley boys at one point. She was the Duchess of Dudleyville, I remember. I always thought Stacy was a much better manager or valet than she was a wrestler. I never was impressed by her in-ring ability. Um, you know, of course, as a young adolescent, I was I was super into her and all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess this induction makes sense because, once again, decent enough personality on TV, just uh, cer- certainly not a good wrestler. I w- I'll say that much about her. Yeah, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about this. She was, uh, oh, what can I say nicely? Oh, I enjoyed her when she wrestled against Tori Wilson. Yeah, I was young then too. <laughs> So yeah, I enjoyed that. That that was about all I can say. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, if she's going in the Hall of Fame, uh, I don't agree with it. And why don't I agree with it? Because you have so many, like the guy that I just talked about, Conan. You have so many great wrestlers that were in WCW, and they've not been even mentioned or talked about for the Hall of Fame, and it blows my mind. So, I don't know. Anyways, I've got the next one. Oh, before I move on, they did mention that Ric Flair will be announcing the second the second uh, entry into the Hall of Fame on Wednesday on the podcast bump, WWE's podcast bump. So, just throw that out there. I forgot to mention that when we're talking about Roll, Rumble, or when we're talking about Raw results. Which leads right into my next headline. Spoiler on Ric Flair's. WWE Hall of Fame inductee announcement. WWE has confirmed that Ric Flair will be appearing on Wednesday's episode of The Bump to announce the next inductee into the 2023 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Mysterio is announced as the first inductee into this year's Hall of Fame class during Friday's episode of SmackDown. A notable name is slated to induct the former WWE champion. The Great Muda is expected to be among the names inducted this year. While speaking on Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that he has learned Flair asked Flair was asked to induct Great Muda into the Hall of Fame, with Flair wanting to do the honors due to their history of classic matches and him slated to make the next Hall of Fame announcement. All signs are pointing to Muda being the next inductee to be revealed. Quote, I presume that Muda, because Ric Flair has, has asked to induct Muda, or has been asked to induct him. A lot of people thought it would be Sting, but politically, that would have been tough before, and I think it would be even tougher now. I don't know if that's the case. We do know that Muda has been asked to be in the Hall of Fame, and we do know that Flair has asked to induct him. So that seems to make sense. So I think this is great. The great Muda was fantastic. Fantastic. That's where he started his career after New Japan. Well, it wasn't New Japan back then. It was just Japan Pro Wrestling. He started his career there. He came to WCW. They acted like he was the great Kabuki's son. And it doesn't matter. That was a sorry, very, very sorry uh, storyline. The lie to the fans right from the beginning. But, but he was still a phenomenal athlete. And he actually came back. He started out very young. And he actually came back to WCW and was a part of the NWO, uh, white and black, for a while. So I think this is great. He did spend some time in the WWE. But yeah, and who who better to induct him 
than the nature boy, Ric Flair. Sting had his run with the Great Muda. He was in his last match with Darby Allen. So, yeah, let Flair do this. I think this is great. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, out of the people who have ties to WWE right now, it makes the most sense. If Sting was still under, like, a Legends contract with the company, then I would have said, because their history, sure, let Sting induct him. But Flair's the closest guy at this point that has the most history with the great Muda. It only makes sense for the Nature Boy to do the honors. But, but, but yeah, I hope they officially announce it, and I'm glad to hear he's finally going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he looks like they wanted to wait till he retired, which is uh, normally what they do, but they do sometimes... Sometimes they induct them that are still wrestling like Rey Mysterio, but a lot of times they do try to wait till they're officially retired. And I'm glad to see it happen so quickly. You could actually say he was the first ballot Hall of Fame because he just retired last year. So, yeah, I think that he deserves the respect and I think it's great. All right, I've got the next headline WWE star who missed out on WrestleMania being saved. For a Roman Reigns match. Hmm. Triple H is saving WWE Superstar for an unexpected match with Roman Reigns. It has already been claimed. Oh, Sola Sequoia. Sola Sequoia is being saved by the WWE uh, Chief Content Officer Triple H for a match with Roman Reigns. While Sequoia lo- looks to set uh, to miss out on WrestleMania, but that doesn't mean the game doesn't have big plans for him. In fact, the Observer reported that a match between Solo and Roman is definitely something WWE is going to build towards. On SmackDown last week, Solo actually pinned Sami Zayn, something that caught many fans off guard. Continuing his trend of having big matches on TV, Solo then faced Kevin Owens on Raw last night when the match was going to uh, was going to a double countout. The reason WWE is putting Sequoia into such big matches is not having and not having him lose is that he's being saved for a match with Reigns. Dave Meltzer is reporting. They're saving Solo for Roman whenever that day comes. But with Sammy, Samoa Spike, and he pins him was shocking. The feeling with, uh, within WWE seems to be that he could end up being a future main eventer, which is a testament to the work he's put in since his call-up from NXT in September of 2022. It's worth noting that at the time of writing this, there's no word on when Triple H plans on booking a match between the two. Of course, it's not going to be anytime soon. Right, it's not going to be anytime soon uh, because there's still got the bloodline. (laughs) There's a lot of things got to shake up before that happens. But, But Sequoia, he's so good. He really is. I think he's going to, he's going to be, He's going to be another rock, I think, in time. He's got to learn to do promos better. He's got some work to do there. But as far as his wrestling ability and his moving around the ring and his physical attributes and his facial expressions, he's spot on. Spot on. I just, he's got to get better at promos. He has to, or he's got to get a Paul Heyman or something like that. And we don't see too many Paul Heymans these days in the wrestling business. Your thoughts, sir? So, no question that Solo Sokoa is very talented, and somewhere down the line, maybe he could ascend to the main event. But let's pump the brakes a little bit here. This guy was just in NXT for a while. He was brought up to the main roster back in September at Clash of the Castle. He's basically become the enforcer of the bloodline. He's 
serving really well in this role. There is no question about that. And I think one thing that people jump the gun with is they forget that many, many years ago, there was another guy who was lined up for a main event push by the name of Randy Orton. Now, obviously, both of them are very different in-ring styles, but the two were around the same age, I think, at the time, and Orton was pushed to the moon, had won his first world title when he was like 24. He wasn't ready for it at that point in time, and hence why they had to push him back down the card for a couple of years until he was ready. But this is the issue that you have, is that WWE sometimes wants to push people into the spotlight before they're truly ready for it. you got to give this kid time to develop. Like you said, Kentucky guy, you got to let him develop a person, more of a personality. He's got to be able to cut a promo. Um, people that want to go ahead and compare him to The Rock, um, you make me laugh because The Rock is the best promo in the history of the business. Now, wait a minute. Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Now, I'm not comparing him to The Rock. Okay, I said he could be one day as good as I'm the only person who said that, so <laughs> you're talking about me here. I said one day he could be as good as Rock. One day. I'm not saying right now. One day. Go ahead. Uh, we, we will see about that, but but regardless, um, I just don't want to see this guy get pushed too quickly. I want to see them really give him his time to develop. You know, give him a run with the Intercontinental title or something in the next several months. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm just throwing a wild idea. Maybe we could see Sola Sokoa versus Gunther somewhere down the road. That would be a really good match. Um, but uh, people already, you know, rumors already going around like, oh, they're saving them for Roman. I'm like, well, well let's just let, let's just hold it here. First of all, in order for him to feud with Roman, the bloodline would need to break up. And I don't see the bloodline breaking up anytime in the near future, personally. Yeah, and it did. here's the one thing, though, I think that you missed in that whole article. It never mentioned anything about a title. It just says he may be slated to wrestle against Roman Reigns. didn't say anything about wrestling for a title. Roman Reigns might not even be a champion when this happens. Uh, and I don't think this is something that's going to happen in the next month, maybe in the next two months. But I am glad that they're giving us, because I was kind of wondering why this up-and-coming superstar is not being mentioned at all for WrestleMania. So I'm kind of glad they give us an idea of why, because they are they do have plans for him still. And that's basically all I want to know is, do they still have plans for this guy? Because I read about, you know, L.A. Knight, and it seemed like his name come up twice just in this episode, Bobby Lashley and Stone Cold. So, you know, and I think Sokoa, I think he's much further along than L.A. Knight, even though L.A. Knight can beat him on the mic, Sokoa can beat him in the ring and has a better win-loss record. All right, sir, uh, looks like you've got the next two. Hulk Hogan hints at two names for the WWE Hall of Fame. Hulk Hogan has pitched for two names to be honored by WWE in this class, and that's Jacques and Raymond the Fabulous Rougeos. They had a tag team run from 1986 to 1990 in WWE. In 1991, Jacques began a singles career as the Mountie. I remember the Mountie, who was a one-time Intercontinental Champion. A few years later, Jacques Rougeau found success as a three-time Tag Team Champion with Pierre Oulet as the Quebecers. Hogan and Jacques are good friends. One of, the, one of Hogan's rare losses happened in the 90s when he put Jacques over on a non-WCW show in Montreal. 
The show was promoted by Jacques, who recalled a past interview with Inside the Ropes that Hogan told him that he wanted him over that night, and it happened with a small package finish. Jacques stated that Hogan told him he did it because of everything the Rougeau family contributed to wrestling in Montreal. That's going to be one of the very few names that Hogan put over clean in his career. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually did not know that those two were good friends in real life. Um, but, they, but, but I mean, they were both a part of the WWF roster at the same time, so it makes sense. Um, yeah, I remember these guys. I remember the, uh, the blue and yellow trunks. They used to walk around with those mini American flags. Used to say, uh, now residing in the United States, they had all that all-American boys theme song. And then, of course, I remember Jacques from his days as the Mountie. That was right around the time I started getting into wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I could see this as, uh, as a possible Hall of Fame induction. No question about it. I mean, these guys were pretty prominent on television when they were around. Yeah. I'm, I, <laughs> I think there's too many, too many great superstars that haven't been inducted yet. I mean, you might as well go ahead and induct the killer bees if you're if you're going to do these guys. I mean, I don't know. I, I never was a a big fan, and I you know, Hall of Fame. I always thought it was supposed to mean something, not just because you used to wrestle for a company, but you're actually very good in your craft. And your craft is not just jumping around off the ring ropes. It's you know being able to cut promos and getting the crowd behind you, either as a heel or a baby face. So, yeah, I kind of disagree with Hogan here. These guys never were really over, over. And uh, to see them in the Hall of Fame kind of diminishes it. And I don't see, maybe if they ever sell the WWE and the new owners might do it, but I don't see them. They're definitely not going in this year, I don't believe. All right, sir, you got the next one? So jumping over to some AEW news, a former champion hasn't been backstage at AEW shows in months. AEW ROH has a large roster as company president Tony Khan is known to sign a lot of talent. There are only so many spots for talent on weekly television and there are periods of time when the talent is not used. A perfect case of that is Miro, who has been sparingly used by AEW over the last year. Scorpio Sky, a former AEW TNT champion, finds himself in this situation. Sky got people talking with his tweet, regarding the incident with MJF and a fan as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion threw tequila on the young fan at ringside during the Revolution pay-per-view event. A lot of fans responded to the tweet, noting that Sky works with MJF and shares the same locker room with him. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select report, reported today that Scorpio Sky hasn't been at AEW shows in months and has been scarcely seen at shows since losing the TNT title last year. He was, he was at Impact Wrestling's No Surrender event in Las Vegas last month. So, yeah, it's really been a while since we've seen Scorpio Sky on AEW programming. And he's kind of been an afterthought ever since he lost the TNT title. I mean, I think he's talented. There's no question about it. But I almost feel like it would just make more sense for him to go to Impact and reunite as uh, SoCal Uncensored with Frankie Kazarian because... AEW's, th th there's really no room for him right now. I mean, like I said, talented guy, but just when you've got so many other more prominent talents on your roster, I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's just no room for you. They're just too saturated with superstars. You have people like Morrow that I mentioned, uh, Brian Cage, 
who else isn't on there enough? Uh, Andrade, who, from my understanding, he is over his injury now and been and already went through rehab, so there's no reason for him not to be back on television. It's just so saturated with superstars, and we knew this was going to happen. That's why. I, there's just He's lost in a shuffle. You know, he's just one of those, he's a mid-card guy. He's decent, but really, if you take away his high-flying, you know, he's, 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 he's okay. But, like you said, when he was with Christopher Daniels and Karzarian, that team was awesome, and he really made a name for himself. I didn't like him with the men of the year theme. I, I didn't care much for that, but I was glad that they put a title on him for a while because, well, I'd rather have him champion than powerhouse Hobbs. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so yeah, I was okay with uh, him having the title. All right. So I've got the next couple. Let's see what we got here. John Cena comments on Vince McMahon's sexual misconduct allegations and potential WWE sell. Despite the allegations against Vince McMahon, John Cena is still loyal to his longtime boss. Last July, Vince McMahon retired as CEO and chairman amid sexual misconduct and hush money allegations. However, he felt he got bad advice and wanted to return to the company. After the board of directors declined the request, he forced his way back this past January, where he is exploring the possibility of a sell of the company. While speaking to AP News, Cena was asked about WWE potentially selling. He's dodged the question, but he did praise Vince McMahon. Quote, that's way above my pay grade. I just know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with that. I love Vince McMahon. He's everything you could want in a great friend, business partner, father, mentor. I love the man. But his business dealings are his business. And what he shares with me, that's between us. But I don't know what's going on with the corporate structure in the WWE or the creative directive direction of the WWE. But when I'm there as a performer, it's the WWE champion Roman Reigns' show. In my mind, he needs to be in the conversation. And in my mind, he's the greatest of all time, Cena said. Hmm, interesting. Regarding the allegations against McMahon, Cena was asked whether it was difficult for him to reconcile his feelings towards McMahon. No. Quote, oh, quote, no. I mean, everyone has the right to have their perspective. I have the right to have mine. When you love somebody, you take them as imperfectly perfect as they are. We all make mistakes. We all have poor choices. Lord knows I've made my collection of poor choices. That doesn't mean I'm not going to love somebody. There's no way I can go on record and say I don't love Vince McMahon. Okay, we get it. You love Vince McMahon. Great. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only thing I got out of that interview. Well, you love him. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I, you know, I like John Cena and, and he's loyal. I know he's loyal, but to say that that has no effect on you, it's kind of untrue. I think we've all had friends, maybe even family members that we do care a lot about or even love and they do something and you find out that it's true. Something so horrible it does change your mind a little bit because we're just human. You're like, oh, man, you know, I would have never thought that. And you do have a little bit different outlook on them. You can say you don't, but you do because it's human nature. So I I, I think he might have been flipping a little bit <laughs> in this interview. I don't know. Just saying. That's my thoughts. What's yours? 
I mean, my thoughts about this interview is I'm just glad that it was captured in an audio format because because John Cena, I mean, as the saying goes, you can't see him. Um, oh, I fell out of my chair. Yeah, right I, That's why you didn't hear me. I fell out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't see you fall out of your chair. <laughs> can't see me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, John Cena, of course, he's going to keep his comments to, you know, I love Vince McMahon. He, he gave me my first big break and everything. So, I mean, I get it. Loyalty to your boss. Is this how John really feels? I, I think he's under a certain level of legal obligation that he can only say so much, um, you know, because John's still under contract to WWE. So there are things he can and cannot comment on. That's that's really all I have to say about this interview. <laughs> the Undertaker and Vince McMahon got into an argument on the day before Vince retired from WWE last July. Ariel Hawani has a new interview posted with the WWE Hall of Famer, The Undertaker, where he talks about his career and what he's doing now with the one-man shows. Here's a couple of the highlights. Undertaker said Vince McMahon told him the day before that he was stepping away from the WWE this past July. Quote, he called me the day before he, he announced it, and we got into an argument because I thought he was ribbing me. I said, there's no way. There's absolutely no way you're stepping away. He was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, why are you bleeped out with me? Oh, okay, I see. You must have cussed. This is me. We ended up going going at it a little bit. Finally, I was like, all right, okay. Sure enough, the next day, Vince resigned. But I knew there's no way he'd stay away. Even in this row, I think it's going to be a challenging for him. I mean, it's his baby. It's his baby, man. He's the one that created this whole thing. I know he wants to make sure these TV deals and everything are done the right way. Right now, that is his sole motivation. But that's Vince McMahon. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But WWE without Vince is, for me, hard to imagine. Me too. It, it really is. It's not so much him being a part of creative, but when they, you know, ever since I've heard, first heard the uh, the rumor about them trying to sell the company, I've said it from the beginning. I just don't know what WWE looks like without the McMahons at the helm, without uh, Triple H and creative. I, I just don't know what it looks like. So. I don't know. We'll have to take a look. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was funny. I thought this was good enough to share. The Undertaker, I could imagine him on the phone telling Vince McMahon he's full of crap. <laughs> it would have been nice <laughs> if they recorded that. Uh, your thoughts, sir, on the Vince McMahon and Undertaker? Yeah, Vince is, uh, or The Undertaker's always been one to take Vince to task. He's probably one of the few people in the company who will speak their mind. They'll just come right out and say, Vince, are you crazy? You're, you're giving this up. Um, I'll never forget when the Montreal screw job happened back in 1997. Uh, Taker was the guy who actually approached Vince after the incident with Bret Hart. And he said to him, you need to go into the locker room and make this right or whatever it was. Like he, he, he called Vince out on it. Um, so it, it, you know, it's good to have people that work for you or that you've worked with for so many years that will speak their mind because Vince was so used to his entire career being surrounded by yes people. Um, but again, like you said, Kentucky guy, picturing the WWE without the McMahons there in some capacity, 
that's that's crazy to think about. It's really, really crazy. All right, so I think you have one more headline, right? And, I and do. I've got two. Let me do one, and then we'll have you do yours, and I'll do the final one, and we'll wrap things up. All right, so I've got the next one here real quick. Major name will induct Rey Mysterio into the WWE Hall of Fame. A major wrestling star and one of the most influential names in the history of pro wrestling will be inducting Rey Mysterio Jr. into the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Dave Meltzer reported, oh, oh, ho, ho, yeah, I forgot about this. Dave Meltzer reported that Conan will be doing the honors for Rey on the night before WrestleMania. Meltzer noted that this was at Ray's request and it was approved by the company. Conan was the most obvious choice because they have been close for decades, dating back to when to Ray and Conan's early days in the wrestling business. This might be Conan's first appearance at a major WWE event. Conan wrestled previously as Max Moon on a non-televised matches in 1992, but those matches never aired and he left the company before the character debuted on TV with Paul Diamond playing the role perhaps this induction will open the door for w man i hope so for wwe to induct conan who is dealing with big health issues at this time wow so uh yeah so that's fantastic so i'm glad that he's going to be there i think it's going to be great i don't know how many of you all even know that conan has his own podcast and has had one for a while if you ever get a chance to listen to it you're going to see how much wrestling knowledge this guy actually has outside the ring if you listen to just a couple episodes, he has comments about everything. And if you ever want to hear somebody lay it out about the truth about CM Punk and stuff that went on and what he's seen uh, behind the scenes in AEW and CM Punk, listen to his show because he lays it out. And I love him. He's brutally honest. So your thoughts on that announcement, sir? Yeah, I've listened to a little bit of Conan's podcast at different points, and it, and it's very insightful for people who want to hear about the true the true stories behind the scenes. Um, I think it's great that Conan has this opportunity to induct his longtime friend and uh, you know former stablemate Rey Mysterio. I can't help but think that if Eddie Guerrero was still with us to this day, that he probably would have had the honor of inducting Rey Mysterio because I know they were best friends in real life. But again, Rey Mysterio and Conan have go back many, many, many years, um, have wrestled together all around the world. And, you know, Mexico, WCW. Uh, so so the history's there. Uh, so it only makes sense to have Conan induct Rey Mysterio. Yeah, you're absolutely right about Eddie Guerrero. Also, if you guys remember, I just did my fantasy booking on Conan. He started his career with Rey's father. So that shows you how far back these guys go. Crazy. Okay, so you've got the next one here. Next headline. Soraya calls for AEW to introduce a new championship. Soraya has been vocal about what the AEW women's division is capable of since arriving to the promotion last year. Soraya told Forbes that she thinks there is space for a women's tag team division and thinks they could do an all-women's show. Soraya had her first chance of winning, at, or at winning AEW Gold this past Sunday at Revolution when she worked a triple threat match against Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter. Post-match, Soho turned heel by aligning with Soraya and Tony Storm to beat down Britt Baker and Hayter. 
Currently, the women's division in AEW has two titles, women's world title and the TBS title. In a response to a tweet sent out by AEW that had a graphic honoring their women's division for International Women's Day, Soraya called for AEW to introduce a women's tag team championship. Uh, I don't know. I still don't think it's the right time to do this. I mean, I know the AEW women's division is expanding little by little. Maybe in another year, they might have the ability to introduce tag team titles. I think right now you need to just stick with the two women's titles because a lot of the women, if you think about it, they only get a chance to appear on Rampage and AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation. I don't think having an all-women's show either would be justified at this point. I just want to see the women be utilized in more prominent spots on Dynamite and on pay-per-views first. Then we could start talking about AEW women's tag team championships and giving them their own show. All right, so first thing, women having their own show doesn't work. They've tried it for years. Glow, there's different wrestling promotions, and it just it just doesn't work. I don't know why. I mean, her mom is a professional wrestler, and she knows the business. She's been, she grew up in the business. I don't know why she would recommend something that awful. On the tag team titles, I'll be honest with you, on AEW, AEW's women division and their men's tag team division are the two weakest links in the whole promotion. And the reason why is because they're not managed correctly. So until they start managing, and like you said, getting some of these uh, females on, they have the wrestlers. They have very good wrestlers. When it comes to the talent, they have the talent. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. They have the talent to have tag team titles in the women's division, but it's not managed correctly. You, you mentioned they don't get on television enough. It's not only that, the way they're booked, even at pay-per-views, it just, it's like, they don't, sometimes they care about the women's division and sometimes they don't. It's been that way. And that's my one hung, hang up, not my one, but one of the hang ups I have on Tony Khan. I mean, he needs to turn that over to someone else. If he wants to still be creative and write the shows for the men, that's fine, but he just can't do it all. And I know he's trying to. I understand he's a fan and he loves wrestling and that's great. That's great. And he's done great things in wrestling. Let's be honest, he give everybody a chance to make more money or to at least compete, and you don't just have one brand, one major brand now, and a bunch of indies. So he has opened that door, and, and that's been phenomenal. But sometimes the best managers delegate. The best leaders delegate. And he needs to delegate, especially on his female division, because I just don't think they run it right. I've said that from the beginning. If they don't care about it, why should I care about it? So, but I think she's way premature on tag team titles. Not until I can't believe she said that as long as she's been there now. She's been, she's not brand new anymore. She, she has to see how things are ran. I mean, you know, you have Jada Carhill who still has an undefeated streak, by the way. And I cannot think of her name. Her name's, it's a weird name. She's married in real life to Jim, uh, uh, Jim Moore or John Morrison, the guy that used to be tag team partners with uh, the Miz. Ty of Valkyrie. Rumor Valkyrie. has it that she's coming there. Her contract's up with Impact. 
she's coming to AEW, and that's who possibly can take that title from Jay Carhill. Now, whatever you said her name was, uh, she has had titles everywhere. I was a huge fan of hers in Luchador Underground and Impact. So she can go. So that makes sense to me if it happens. They bring this woman over, another big name female superstar like her to AEW and have Jade Cargill beat her. I throw my hands up. I have no idea what they're doing. That storyline is so old. I mean, come on. Somebody's got to take that title and you can't have it. Somebody that she's beaten over and over because she's beat everybody there practically. So, and that's one of the things with this female division that they just, they got to work on it, man. It's not being, would you agree with that statement? It's just not managed correctly. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I think they need more women working behind the scenes to give their own sort of, sort of, uh, sort of creative stamp on it. Agree. I agree a hundred percent. They need like a, like a Gail Kim at impact. She's doing a phenomenal job right now, uh, behind the scenes. Okay. So I've got the last headline here. WWE is interested in AEW star whose contract is about to expire. A while back, it was reported by Frightful about an AEW star whose contract is set to expire soon. Frightful selected posted an update today, and it looks like Brian Cage's time in AEW could be winding down if a new deal is not reached. The report states that Cage, AEW's deal is set to expire uh, immediately, and AEW was hoping to add time to his deal due to injury time. He needed to heal up from injuries. The report adds that Cage pushed back on that and he wants to explore free agency. Furthermore, it is stated that WWE has maintained interest in Cage if he becomes a free agent. And there is interest in having discussions with him once his deal is up. It's not 100% lock that he will make the move to WWE. And there have been supporters of Cage within AEW. Chris Jericho has publicly stated that he hopes Cage re-signs with AEW. Cage wrestled at the recent Ring of Honor television taping and AEW dark taping. Well, here's the thing. I think they've misused this guy from the beginning. I hope he comes to WWE and WWE makes him into a big star like he should be. I've said this from the beginning. He's got the look, but not only that, he can do it on the mic. He learned from one of the best, Taz, and he's got the moves. He, this isn't a man. He's a machine. <laughs> Your thoughts? Honestly, uh, it's now or never for for Brian Cage to make the jump to WWE. He's competed pretty much everywhere else. He was in Lucha Underground. He was in Impact. He's been in AEW and Ring of Honor. I mean, where else would he possibly go? I mean, he has the perfect look for WWE. Like you said, he's got a lot better cutting promos. Give the guy a shot. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? He comes to WWE and he crashes and burns. Uh, th- th- better that than than not try at all. You know, come to WWE. You know, work there. At, you know, at least in the short term, see if it works out. If it doesn't, well, you y- you go somewhere else and try your luck out. Try your luck out in the independent scene or something. But th- there's worse things you-, you can do, Brian Cage. And right now, you're not being utilized to the best of your ability. And if you're WWE, take the chance, sweeten the pot. And, you know, I mean, at least it's just one person. You're not going to have as big as Bumble as you've had with the, I don't know, Hit Row. <laughs> so, anyway, sir, that's all I've got for this episode. What about yourself? 
That is all for me, Kentucky guy. All right, folks. So you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your host is Donnie Cage and the Kentucky guy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check us out this Saturday when our new ex- when our new episode will be uploaded. And as always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all.